0: You know how often even Christians talk about luck, they, we believe that if we cross our fingers, come on, uh, you know, I'm fixing to start my car and I just put a new battery in, let's pray, that it, let's, let's pray, come on, and we're doing this, or, or golly, I hope I roll my window up because it's raining, knock on wood, I mean, what does that mean? How many know, listen, you and I as Christians, we're not living by this thing called luck. Life is not a series of accidents, but we understand the Bible's teaching that God is the one that sovereignly controls the affairs of men. How many know there is a divine guidance system at work in the world today that is bringing not only you and I, but the entire world towards God's ultimate plan? And for us as a believer, here's, if I could just kind of summarize the Bible's teaching about this, let me say this. The Bible teaches that God is ultimately in control of everything and everyone, and He's accomplishing a master plan. Now, you, you may know people, you may be here today, and you don't even believe in God. Maybe you've got people consider themselves an agnostic or an atheist. Well, the Bible says that one day before Christ... Every knee will bow, come on, set with me, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If they don't do that out of their own volition and choice now, one day God literally will force them to do that. And that's the picture of God in the Bible, that God has a plan that he's moving towards. But here's the question that we're going to focus on this morning. What can I do in my life to to experience God's guidance? How can I know this unseen hand of God that's guiding my life? So I don't need to depend on chance and luck and hope. And I don't even need to just depend on myself and my abilities. Because how many know human ability and resources are limited at some point? How many know ultimately we need the hand of God guiding our life? Well, there's a scripture that I'm going to go over with you this morning that will be the heart of what we're going to say, and I'll explain it in a number of ways. But it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Notice, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not to your own understanding, which simply means just trust God even if you can't figure it out. But then it says in all your ways do what? Acknowledge Him. That is, try to listen to His voice. Try to know His will and then do what God would have you to do. And then God's promise is quite simply that God will direct your paths. That He'll make your ways straight. That this unseen hand of guidance will be at work in our lives. Now, how many know that's what we're all looking for in our lives? To know God's guiding us. Well, i want to give you a picture this morning. I'm going to illustrate this with a canoe and a river. Now, this, uh, Pastor Mike uh, came up with this thing somewhere, and he said, well, I've got a two-man kind of P-row boat, and it's camouflage. And I saw this. I'm expecting, you know, kind of good old Arkansas Green and Brown or Texas. Now, I think this is California camouflage. I don't know about you. But why don't you put on your imagination this morning? And I want to imagine this stage is a river. And this river is heading somewhere because it's got current under the river. Uh, if you've ever gone canoeing, I love to canoe. We've done a lot of church trips on Mountain Fork near Broken Bow. I mean, any time of the year, you go in September, when it's 110 degrees, that water is still ice cold. It's a great place to go. But most of the time you go, because they generate electricity, there's a current that moves you along. Well, I want you to see in this morning's message that that current is the unseen hand of God that guides our life as we go. And this, this uh, canoe is a picture of your life. Now, how many know you can, either be, you can either be in the river, in the flow of the river where it's going, or you can be up here on the bank? Now, the bank, of course, in the natural, it's got trees, it's got logs, it's got grass, it's got rocks, but I want you to see this area up here is kind of your world. It's going your own way, it's doing whatever you do, not necessarily following after God and His will. It doesn't have to be evil or bad things, it can just be people pursuing their own way of life rather than getting in the river of God. And here's what I'm going to teach you this morning, the place where you're going to find the greatest happiness, fulfillment, and sense of purpose in your life is when you have surrendered your life to God and gotten in this river, and the river of God is literally carrying you through life. So that's the goal we're looking for, and I want to explore it using this canoe this morning. Again, what you're looking to happen is to get in that river when the God drops you off and He said, boy, the water's moving today and the current is carrying you. And I want to open the Bible this morning and show you how your life can be carried along by God. Because God has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose that, uh, that uh, He wants you to do it, so He wants you in the river. So that's what I've entitled it this morning, Get in the River. Why don't you tell your neighbor, Get in the River. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2 this morning. Exodus chapter 2, and I make the statement that God is in control of the river. He's in the control of the river. He is sovereign over everything. Now, this word sovereign, that's a mouthful. The word sovereign, it means that God is the supreme authority. And His power is unlimited and absolute. And that's a big one. God is the supreme authority over everything that goes on in the world. The Bible teaches us that God existed before anything that's in the world that we see. God was already there. The Bible teaches us that God created the planets. The solar systems that are still expanding at the speed of light, the Bible tells us that God is behind that and He is going somewhere with all of human history. Now, I want to look in Exodus chapter 2. We're going to get this idea of God being sovereign, God moving behind the scenes, a current of God moving in the lives of people. We're going to look in the life of Moses. Now, Moses, we've been reading in the book of Exodus in our, in our Bible reading. But Exodus chapter 2, verse 10 It says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. Now, whenever you're reading the Bible, how many know you're always looking for context? In other words, you're not just trying to draw a verse out, you're not trying to some mystical interpretation, but you want to understand what it meant in the context that it was written. Well, about this time, it's referring to the nation of of Israel. If you recall, Abraham had made a prophecy hundreds of years before this, and he said God's people are going to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Well, lo and behold, there's a prophecy hanging out there. And then you recall how they got there. Uh, Joseph, sent by God ahead of his brothers. He's in Egypt. He has this... Pharaoh has these dreams. He basically takes care of the whole world in a famine. And then the Israelites show up. They're there at 70 people, and they're treated as royalty. But I want to tell you, several years after royalty, they begin to be treated as slaves. And it was these Israelite slaves that built the great pyramids. And they were literally Pharaoh's workers that worked basically for free. And they were there for 400 years. It was predicted by God. But how many know just because something lasts a long time, something bad's going on, doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. Because there's a, there's a current of God, even under that nation, that one day a baby was going to be born that would be a deliverer from this nation of Israel. I want you to think just a second. When Moses came along, when he was born... It was a very troubling time. They were not treated well. There was hardship. There was affliction. There was great trouble in this place of Egypt. And I want you to see that sometimes even when the river is flowing, it's difficult. And it was compounded by the fact that Moses, when he was a boy, there was a law, a rule that had been given by Pharaoh, who was the ultimate judge, it seemed like, in that day. And this law was that basically all the male children of the Israelite kids would have to be killed. I want you to think about this. All of them are going to be killed, so there's no way, you know, for Moses to be born in the natural. But you're going to see the sovereign hand of God. And I want to begin this morning by saying this is a picture. This time in Israel's history, things are not going well. And it is easy to trust God when things are going well in your life, but how many know it's pretty hard to trust God when things are difficult? You have a prayer that's not answered. You have a marriage that doesn't work out. You know, somebody dies in your family. I want to tell you, it's hard to keep trusting God. It's easy to say amen on a Sunday morning, but I can tell you a number of years ago, in our life is probably maybe 13 years ago, uh, Linnell was pregnant. We were excited. It was going to be our third child. And I remember I went with her to the doctor that day, and the nurse did the ultrasound. You know, they put the little jelly on it, and they, you know, put it wherever, trying to find the heartbeat, and it, nothing happened. And then she flipped the machine on and off, and she did it again. I'll never forget this. She had this kind of sullen look on her face, and she said, uh, I'll be right back to the doctor. I want to talk to you. But well, we both knew something was wrong. I mean, here you go. You're, you're preachers. You people that really trust God, you believe in God. And i never forget, we went in Dr. Brown's office and very kind, very gentle man, but basically told us the news that our, our baby didn't make it. And I can remember the next two days going home and not wanting to talk to anybody, turning the phone off, sitting in our bed and just crying for a couple of days because our child is gone. Now, it's easy to trust God when things are going good. It's easy to say, get in the river when everything makes sense. But I want to tell you, when you go through something in life that you can't figure out, you don't know where God is and God's supposed to be good all the time, it's like your trust in God kind of evaporates and you just pull yourself back up on the bank and said, I think I'm going to wait and see a little bit. Can we get real this morning? It's at that very time that you need to make a choice like we did on day three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, even when life doesn't make sense and when goodness seems to have been trumped by evil. Trust Him with all your heart and you acknowledge Him and God will direct your paths. And for us, I think she had a miscarriage after that, but then now little Rebecca is in our world today. She's a sixth grader and uh, we avoided a major tragedy this week. Uh, She went out for cheerleader, and there were 13 little girls, and only eight could make it. And I remember just, oh, I guess it was Friday night, and I had driven down to the school to see if it was posted, and there was nothing there. And I came home, I was in my room watching TV, and I hear this sound, Daddy, 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 good news is coming. So how many know, listen, God has a way of taking something that's really bad and turning it into something really good. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning to kind of understand this because we don't live in a surreal world here. We don't, we don't pretend that bad things don't happen. We live in the real world and I can still tell you that God is still a good God. The forces that are evil are at work in the world but how many know ultimately God triumphs in the affairs of men? And there's a scripture in Romans 8:28 that helps us in times like this. It says, and we know, everybody say we know that those who love God, how many love God? Let me see your hand. Love God, and all things work together for good. Now it doesn't say all things are good, but it says all things work together. That this current, if you will make a choice in those dark moments of life, if you will just keep following God, keep serving God, keep choosing to the best of your ability to follow after God, to get in His will and go after His ways, that God will cause good things to come out of the evil in your life. And then it underscores the fact to those that are called according to His purpose. Can I tell you, friends, you not only love God, but you have been called by God. And there's a purpose on your life. And the key thing for you to realize God's purpose in your life is to get in this river, come on, and stay in it. Now, let's keep reading verse 2. Moses, his mom, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. But when she could no longer hide him, she put the baby in a basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Now, I want you to think about Moses' mom just a minute. You know, there's a ton of babies in the church right now. I've been saying hello to babies last night and this morning, which... By the way, you know if you notice I'm a little late coming into the second service, it's not because I, uh, I, I don't need to worship or anything like that. I got here at 7 o'clock this morning and I've been praying and talking to people and spending time in the cafe and I look up and I said, oh gosh, the next service has already started. But there's a lot of neat little babies around. Well, can you imagine when Moses' mom gets pregnant and she hears the news, the joy that's in her, but at the same time she's, there's a dread because Pharaoh has said all the male babies are going to be killed. So she lived for nine months knowing that if she had a boy, that this child that she gave birth to and loved and nursed and all that could lose its life. Now, here's what I want you to see she did. The baby was born three months of age. Somehow she protected it for three months. But when she couldn't do it any longer, she did this act of trust, hoping against hope that God could somehow take her child and preserve its life. And she made this little lifeboat, and she put it in the Nile River. You know, the Nile River to the Egyptians was a god. And it was like, it epitomized not only their source of life, of the fertility and all those things, but it was a god to the Egyptian people. But for some reason, she put this baby in there, but her trust as an Israelite was in God. I want you to see when she did that. It's that choice like taking your canoe off the bank and putting it down. She could have gotten mad at God. She could have said, God, why are all these babies being killed? Why am I born here? Why is this happening? Why was I born an Israelite and not an Egyptian? Thank you. That's leaning to your own understanding. You look in the mirror sometimes and you don't like yourself. You don't like the fact that you're a man, that you're a woman, that you're tall, that you're short, that you're black, that you're white, that you're green, that you're purple. God made you the way you are. And the beginning of coming to a sense of purpose in life is accepting who God made you to be. Now listen, I understand that evil is in this world and some people are born with birth defects and all these things. But listen, God is still a good God even though evil is in the world. Come on. And God will ultimately triumph in this life. But you've got to stay in the river. You cannot pull yourself on the bank and expect God, come on, to continue to working. It takes faith for you to connect to God's purposes. Well, look at verse 4. Now, this is, again, we're talking about the sovereignty of God, God God-controlling circumstances. The baby sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter. Mind you now, her daddy had said all the male Hebrews are going to be killed. So the only person in the world, come on, that can save baby Moses, just happens to be going down to the river. Come on, is this luck? Is it an accident? Or is this the sovereign hand of God? The same God that works in your life. Well, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. When the princess saw the basket, she sent her maid to get it. She opened it. She saw the baby. This must be one of the Hebrew children. And then the baby's sister approached the princess. Shall I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And she said, yes. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Now, you can be assured that somehow this baby got around Pharaoh's people. And Pharaoh said, that's my baby girl. Let her do what she wants to do. Come on, every daddy that's been wrapped around the, hand, the finger of your little girl said, come on, amen. I mean, listen, I know it and I like it. My wife, you know, she says, what are you doing? And I said, honey, let me alone. This is my last child. We had this deal. And... I was going to get her this new pair of Sperry shoes, whatever they are. And uh, I said, okay, well, if you pull up this one grade for an 89, if you, it, she said, I can, well, I can get ninety-fives, Dad. I can, if for Sperry shoes, I can get 95s. Well, we got all of them up but one grade, and then she starts hitting me up for the shoes anyway. I mean, I'm telling you, she just, before the grades come out, she said, sad face, sad face, sad face, I don't guess I'm going to get my shoes. I had I had one grade that didn't make it. And these texts keep coming. And we keep trying to find a way. But I'm telling you what, I got in my mind we're getting spare shoes, but yesterday I said, Okay, honey, I'll tell you what. I'll help you earn some money because listen, you just can't give your kids a free ride in life. You need to teach them about life now. Come on. You need to teach them there's consequences. Because there, there may not be a sugar daddy after this sugar daddy. Come on, they've got to stand on their own feet. So I said, honey, listen, uh, if you pick up gumballs, I'll give you $5 for a big five-gallon basket of gumballs and we'll put towards those shoes. And she said, how about 10 cents a gumball, Dad? So, I mean, we're still negotiating, but, but she's going to get those, those shoes sooner or later. Don't you tell her I said that now, okay? But Pharaoh's daughter was the one that found this baby. In verse 9, it's even better. The princess told the baby's mother, I'll pay you for your help. So here you get to hold and nurse your baby. Listen now, why everybody else's baby's been killed. And you're making money to boot. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later when the boy was older, the mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses. And it was Moses, 80 years later, that would come to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, come on. And he was the deliverer that fulfilled the promise of Abraham that God had decreed hundreds of years earlier. Now the river, the current, carries us forwards in the purposes of God. And can I tell you, that same sovereign God is still working today. Moses is not the only account. The Bible is filled with men and women. Look at Esther. She's the queen, but when she's there, Mordecai says, You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this because Haman wants to kill the Jews. I'm telling you, God is in the business of orchestrating lives. If you will just say yes to Him and continue saying yes to Him. And it doesn't matter how mature you are. How many know God is the one that called us before we got our act together? Well, I was yet a sinner. Christ died for me. See, in my own life, God called me as a 19-year-old kid that was just drinking and smoking and carrying on and lost as a goose with a big hole in his heart looking for God. And God called me and I ended up joining the Navy on the -the spur-of-the-moment experience. Five days later, I get saved and I give my heart to Jesus because a Gideon on accident happened to come on his lunch break and give a Bible to a sailor who accidentally took it because he didn't have anything better to do. Come on now. Gave my heart to Jesus. I ended up in California, married the preacher's daughter, and came back here to be a part of your world. I want to tell you, it's not by accident that if wherever you are in your Christian life, if you will just try to say yes to God more than you say no, you will find yourself in this river being carried along with the purposes of God. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. Ephesians 1 verse 9, let me say this again, this lesson is clear. God is in ultimate control of everything and He's working out every detail to accomplish His plan for eternity. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that you're a puppet and God's just doing this and God makes you have flat tires and, come on, God makes your hair fall out. And uh, uh, Let's explain this just a, a second. Now, Ephesians 1 verse 9, let me kind of give you this global picture. Because we're taught in America today subconsciously that life has no purpose. You're just a big accident waiting to happen. There's no real meaning. There's no accountability. You can do what you want to do. You can make your own rules. That's what's being taught to your children in schools today. It's being taught over the television. It's being taught through music. The Bible says something different. Ephesians 1 verse 9. He being God made known to us the mystery of His will. Because what I'm talking about, this current, is not always understood with the eyes and the, and the reason. But there's a mystery to it. Verse 10 It's going to be put in effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. And that's not because the Mayan calendar says on December 21st, come on, it's all going to come to an end. The world is searching. But God is bringing time together towards a purpose to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So God, the purpose of time, have you ever thought about that? The purpose of time from the fall in Genesis to Revelation 21 when all things are made new is God is calling out a people, come on, that will be the bride of Christ to rule and reign with Jesus for all eternity. And we're heading like a river, merging It's like all the little rivers and all the tributaries merging into the mighty Mississippi River, and it's pouring itself out into the Gulf of Mexico. That's what God is doing. We're moving somewhere, and God wants you in this river being a part of it. Listen, verse 11. In Christ we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity for the purpose of His will. Can I tell you every detail? God is at work behind what's going on in life, and God is bringing it somewhere. Now, let me say again, don't, it's confusing as we try to understand why bad things happen, why miscarriages happen. Why, why did this tornado rip across America just a few days ago, and 35, I think, or more people were violently killed? Towns were wiped out. There were churches in those towns. Why do these things kind of happen? I'll tell you, friends. Because not only is God at work in the world, God has allowed evil to be at work in the world. Listen, if you want to understand life, God is at work. Satan is at work using his plan of evil to steal, kill, and destroy. And then you've complicated further by the will of man, the choices that man makes. And if you want to understand how the world works, you see the God who intervenes in life, the God who has established laws and rules like the laws of gravity, the laws of thermodynamics, air go lift when the plane takes off. God did all these things, but he He didn't remove Himself. He's active in life, but Satan is still there. Listen, the reason we went to that doctor's office and then she had to go to the hospital. It was because Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, come on, and went their own way. And we're suffering the consequences of their sin. But I want to tell you, friends, you don't find any of that after Revelation 21 in heaven. It's all going to be over one day. But right now it is a part of the world. And I want to tell you, it's just here. For some reason, God has allowed people still to live and die. It would have made sense to me that as soon as you get saved, you're just going up to heaven. But that's not the way it works. God, somehow, for some reason, allows us all to face that final challenge to let us know that we're not God. Come on, we can't save ourselves, And we desperately need a Savior. And we depend on Him in that. But if you think of life that way, that it's the will of God and and it's the movement of, of God's laws and rules, it's the will of man and it's evil at work in this earth. If you've gone through a painful divorce... And you tried to love God and serve God and tried to do your best. But your spouse went crazy. You, you can't blame God. Listen, God's kids in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, made a horrible choice that destroyed their lives and everybody else's. It's the same thing that's working in this world today. But I'm telling you, the Bible promises you, Christian, that God will even turn that around for good. That God will even take what's been evil and He can turn it in a good direction. Look at Psalm 139. This is one of the most profound scriptures in the Bible, and for time's sake, I'm condensing it. God's plan for your life will happen in the river. The best that you'll ever experience in life happens in this river. Now look at, just like Moses, you were born with a purpose. Psalm 139, verse 13, You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. Now listen to these words. This is why we stand so strongly for life at all stages in our church. You knit me together. You watched me as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Now look at verse 16. It's profound. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You say, well, how do you explain if God had designed and planned this and I still have a free will? I can't explain it to you. It's like predestination and free will just bump up against each other. And what we see is what's happening in the earth. But I want to tell you, here's the message you need to know. God has a plan for your life. And your greatest opportunity for happiness is found in the river. Your greatest opportunity for significance in life is found in the river. You're not going to find it on the bank. You're not going to find it. You're going to find it as you, to the best of your ability, surrender to the purposes of God. But God has a plan for us. Come on, give him a good hand this morning. Now, l- let me take this last ten minutes and wind up here. Now, how do I get in the river and stay in it? I mean, it's pretty easy. I've taken this canoe here and I've just bounced it up on the stage here. But life is not always like that. Life is, is, is oftentimes... decision. I'm telling you, those those couple days we sat in bed and wept over the loss of our child, I mean, we still believed in God. We still loved God, but it was hard to trust God. And it's almost like we tied the canoe on the bank for a day or two. I mean, we've all been there, but you don't have to stay on the bank. Let me tell you some things that will help you kind of broadly. How do I get in this river and stay in it? Well, first and most important, you've got to surrender your life to Christ as Savior. You've got to receive a Savior because you can't save yourself. I mean, one day you're going to stand before God and give an account. And how and many know that you're not a Christian just because you go to church? You're not a Christian just because you were raised in a Christian home. See, I'm born maybe with Christian parents, but I'm born again, come on, as a Christian. See, the Scripture says, as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. But the second thing that's so vital, you've got to choose to follow Christ as Lord. Lord is my, my master. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately saying that, Lord Jesus, I believe you can do a better job at leading and running my life than I can. See, because the bank is pulling you, the bank is saying anything from, well, you know, you've got multiple degrees, you've got lots of money, uh, you're likable, people like you, just come on, write your own rules and do your own thing. You're not going to find happiness there. See, so you've got to come to that place where you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Now, I believe every day, early in the morning at some point between, you know, sleepy time and in the shower, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, I'll just give you my life this day. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Lord Jesus, the Lord's Prayer when it talks about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, then what's it say? Let your, let uh, on earth, come on, isn't that you? As it is in heaven, Lord, especially in me. So the river is a daily choice, surrendering yourself to the will of God. But now here's the big one. We're going to look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 again. And I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. Because living in this river is not a one-time choice. It's daily in life, and it's tested when disappointment comes. It's tested when failures come, because every one of us in this room share failures. Every one of us in this room have made mistakes in life, but let's read again Proverbs 3 and and go slowly with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, how many know if if you can have all your heart, you can have partial trust? I'll trust God so far. I I think, you know, just the simple thing of tithing is a huge test. I mean, how many know if I can't trust God with a couple bucks for God to take care of me, how in the world could I trust God with the really important things of life? It's just a test. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? He'll direct your paths. So, so it's a condition for God's guidance and direction here. But let me read it in a couple other translations. The New Living Translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But then it says, don't depend on your own understanding. Don't, don't If you can't figure it out, listen, you're going to trust God anyway. But you listen for God's voice, I'm sorry, seek His will in all you do. Can you say that? Seek His will in all you do. And then what's it say? Uh, everywhere you go, and I'm sorry, uh, he, and He's the one who will show you which path to take. It's the Message Bible that says trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. That ain't not that big? Don't try to figure out everything on your own. At some point, the only smart thing you can do is just get in the canoe in the river and put on the life jacket. Have you ever been in some real whitewater where, I mean, it was going to be? This little mountain fork deal, they have a drop-off. It's about six feet. And I remember the first time I went across it, they'd warn me about it. I was a little scared of it because most people, their canoes would tip and you get on it and what do you do? You put this little guy on and you tug it up a little bit tight, but you keep going. And there's something about this, not leaning to your own understanding, but having a trust in God to see you through. The Message Bible says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, and He'll keep you on track. Now, let me explain these just a little bit, these three things, these three steps in the river. And the first one is, trust in the Lord. These guys are going to go to Haiti tomorrow. They're going to get on an airplane and they're going to hear a female voice that they've probably never heard in their life before. And that female voice, or it could be a male voice, and that voice is going to say, uh, would you please put your... Chairs forward, would you please, you know, take your tray and put it forwards and turn off all electronic devices and put your seatbelt on because you're about to trust your life in someone's hands that you've never met before and he's going to take you up to 40,000 feet and you don't know anything about that man, you just hope that it's, he's capable to bring you back down to the ground and not like that, like this at a slow angle. And all you can do is tighten your seatbelt a little tighter. I mean, at some point now, come on, at some point, you know, you cut the circulation off because you've tightened it so tight. I mean, you've done all you can do. You've got to trust that pilot. And can I say, that same type trust is what we've got to have from God. Come on, whether you're in the doctor's office and said your baby's gone, your marriage is falling apart, our country is in trouble, you don't have retirement savings. Come on, the doctor says you have a mass on your brain. He doesn't know what it is. At some point, trust God. You do this all the time. You trust your bank that you, they're going to you're going to give them your money and they're going to give it back to you. I need some help here. Who, who can give me some money? He's the third young man in three services that has told me I don't have my wallet today. Thank you. How much is it? These are just ones. I, 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 I'm. I, I'm, I'm I was looking for some hundred. No, but really. You trust a machine talking to you that you put in several thousand dollars in your paycheck and they're going to give that all back to you. You trust an investment advisor somewhere that may have several hundred thousand of dollars locked away somewhere, but you trust. I mean, no, that's the same kind of trust that we're going to have in God but even in a greater fashion, that God will take good care of us. You trust in the Lord. You don't always try to figure it out. And let me say this, if you can't figure it out, faith it out. Let me say it again, if you can't figure it out, faith it out. Which simply means, I'm going to trust God when it doesn't make sense. And the last part that says that if you will yield to Him, if you will listen to His voice and simply do what He says. Can I tell you, the signs at Mountain Fork says, Go this way around the rapids and hang on, lean backwards when you go over that last dip. But God, come on, He's going to get us to the other side. Give Him a big hand this morning. He is the one that's worthy of all of our praise. I want to close this morning. I want to pray for you. But I want to ask you, or, or perhaps articulate something that you've been thinking. What do you do if you've gotten out of the river? I mean, it's pretty easy in church to say, you know, you want to follow God, you want to surrender to Him, you want to just stay focused on His life, but what do you do when you've gotten out of the river? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe, like me, sometimes life doesn't make sense. Maybe something happened to you, whether it was recently or a long time ago. Maybe it's you that was in that doctor's office. We have a church member yesterday, just got back from Florida, had a great vacation, had some pain in their head went to the doctor and the doctor said there's a huge mass on your brain I believe it's cancer it's inoperable now can I tell you just like that life can change what do you do? well certainly you believe for a miracle but you tighten your belt and you say Lord I'm going to trust you that wherever life is going to lead me I'm going to put my trust in you because you're the one that made the promise that you'll see me to the other side and all things are not good but all things work together for good And maybe you're here today and you've had some experience in life that kind of knocked you down and it's been hard to get back up. I believe God can do something about that today if you will just surrender that painful part of life. I believe, too, you may be here this morning and maybe you've just grown comfortable on the bank, kind of living your own way and doing your own thing and, you know, kind of going life at your own pace. And I tell you, friend, what you're looking for deep down in life, you're never going to find it on the bank. Happiness, purpose, fulfillment is found in the river of God. And if you're just willing to trust God. well, I tell you, I, I remember I had something happen long, long time ago. I was probably 21, maybe. I was living for God, been serving God several years. And I, and I met this uh, young senorita that I thought was supposed to be Miss Miller. Now, my wife's heard this a couple times already. She's not here, so I'll tell the story. I thought she was Miss Wright. I mean, and I was, you know, we were living godly and behaving and everything, and I was in Alaska, I was in the Navy, and, you know, I was having these visions of, I'm going to marry this woman. Well, I left from Alaska back to California and then to Japan, and the oddest thing happened. She stopped communicating with me. She wouldn't answer my phone calls. She wouldn't return my letters. I'd send her presents, and I'd never come back. I mean, and finally, someone told me that she'd married one of my friends. And I remember where I was when I found out about that. I was in... I was in uh, Japan, Okinawa, Japan, Kadena Air Force Base. And I remember when I found that that day. I was by myself, no family there, no friends or anything. And I felt God had let me down. And I'm being honest before you, I just gave up for a little while. I decided I I was really going to get God's attention, so I quit going to church for two weeks. That did it, buddy. I was just hurting, I was just wanting something well here's something i didn't know at that time of my life because when you're canoeing you don't know what's around the bend and there's times in the canoe that that i mean there's not much current at all it's like you're barely moving that's why they give you a paddle and you keep paddling but unbeknownst to you right around the bend the water takes off again see there's a difference in life i found that there's good better and best good was maybe some of my own life now that girl she'd have made a decent wife that was better i had no idea that Linnell, come on, who, who I didn't even know at the time, but God was saving me for her and her for me. And I had no idea that the future mother of my children, come on, my future partner in ministry. And the other girl, I'm sure it would have been great. She was a dental technician. I'd have had clean teeth. But, you know, I, I think I'd rather have a partner that's uh, leading mission trips, come on, that's working, that's serving the Lord. But I didn't know it was there. And I had to come to a place where I said, Lord, I'm getting out of this little Navy barracks bed and and I'm going to re-engage again. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start going to church. Because what I was saying is, I'm going to get back in the river. And I'm going to choose to trust you even when my life doesn't make any sense as a 21-year-old. And can I tell you, God is a good God. And because we love Him, He says all things will work together for good. All things are not good, but all things work together for good. Come on, give the Lord a big hand this morning. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. and I just want to pray that God would just bless you today. That God's going to smile on you. As soon as you leave, you go ahead and set your clock back and we're engaged in a brand new world or set it ahead an hour. But Lord, we want to all come before you today. I, I know that the Holy Spirit was speaking this morning through this message. I know that something is resonating in the hearts of many, many people. And I want to pray that in all of us today there's a growing desire to walk with God. That all of us today whether we had some things in life that happened we didn't understand or or maybe we've just been too comfortable up on the bank distracted. I want to pray for all of us that we'd get in the river. I want to pray that our desire for you would be greater than anything else. Come on, slip your hands to heaven just as an act of surrender as a child, surrendering to their father, saying, Lord, help me stay in the river. Bless you today. Thank God in Jesus' name. We're going to close this way. I'm going to invite our prayer team down one last time. And if you're here today and and, and you really would like for someone to pray with you about something you heard in this message, maybe something God spoke to you. I can't think of a better way to seal it. Come on. and Letting somebody join with you and to end an old chapter in your life. It could have been something that happened of disappointment. Maybe you have some struggles right now. It's hard to get off the bank and you want someone to stand with you. Listen, my friends, God will do it. We'll pray with you for that. If you're here today, and maybe the biggest thing is this, you, you need to get saved. You need a relationship with Christ. You need forgiveness for your sins. You need to start your Christian experience. My friend, this is a way to do it. Coming to Christ in His house giving your life to Jesus Christ, receiving His forgiveness, and walking in newness of life. We're going to begin to sing one last time as we sing this through, a chorus through one time, and after it's over, you can be dismissed. But right now, if there's something that you need to connect with God, you come, let us pray for you this morning. God bless you and I love you. You Make a step and God will meet you.